Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, and today with my fabulous co-host. Hey, guys. This is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. So today we're going to be talking about different topics. Um, I guess, Chris, do you want to explain what we're going through here, this series of questions and answer? Yeah, I think it's kind of a fun prep IQ test like what do you know um maybe type of maybe a little bit of a myth buster type of thing so um you know it's everything from like training to some nutrition body recomposition all the hot topics of all the things prep so it'll be a really good chance for you to kind of test your knowledge and see what um how you measure up with some of these prep interpretations yeah before we get started though let's uh, talk about our last seven days so what have you been up to well we got snow here in North Carolina so um, we actually had plans to go to TC's competition uh, powerlifting competition last weekend but that was postponed so we he's redoing his um prep or deload week for his competition so we'll be hitting that this weekend instead but um it's been an exciting start to this week with looking at our final results for our bikini challengers our january challenge and there was some really good progress so i'm excited to see um you know everybody's uh clients and how everybody measured up uh, with four weeks of this challenge going on yeah it's been amazing to see from January 1 to 31st how many changes have happened and we are going to be as a staff on our coaches call tomorrow we're going to be voting on the winners so there were three prizes the top winner wins a month of free training and the second winner wins a uh, first form gift card and why am I drawing a blank on third place uh it's a, it was a glam girl oh yeah the swag that's right yeah <laughs> yes yeah so swag pick of choice and we have uh just closed out the early bird sign up for the retreat in phoenix arizona at the arizona grand resort and spa and that's going to be february 19th and 20th it's going to be a super fun weekend of just camaraderie a lot of mindset training and body image, nutritional, uh, food relationship work with Celeste Reigns Turk. And then all the glam girl coaches will be working on posing and hit training and upper body, lower body. We're going to be doing hikes. So if you have not registered and you are interested, we will go ahead and put the link in the show notes to sign up for the retreat. Uh, I just think it's going to be a once in a lifetime type of thing. And just with all this snow coming we have snow here in kansas city that's supposed to be coming they predicted uh 14 inches over the next two days oh gosh so i'm gonna be excited to just be in arizona to be super warm so i can't wait to see everybody and um, have some good bonding time there i love that opportunity especially for individuals who feel like they're prepping on their own like if you're only uh connection to the bodybuilding world is your coach um, or maybe one friend, it's kind of, it's totally different to be immersed in, um, a community of people that understand this lifestyle. So I'm really excited for it as well. 
Yeah, definitely. So let's get started with question number one. And that first question is just very basic. So it's what's the most important factor for losing fat? And we'll just go ahead and list off a multiple choice here. So caloric deficit, meal frequency, meal timing, or carb intake. And Chris, do you want to reveal the uh, answer to that one? I feel like I'm getting tested. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would choose a caloric deficit. And you would be correct. Yes. 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 And you can achieve that caloric deficit from many different ways. But, uh, you know, if you have a coach that's well-versed in what they're supposed to be doing, then they're going to set the right caloric deficit for your calories. And then they're also going to set that um, you know, with multiple different variables in terms of your cardio, your steps, all of those things play a factor, even, you know, your non-exercise activity, which that kind of is counted in your steps, but mm-hmm. setting up that so that you're in the right place. And I just had a client, uh, she was worried because she is like, okay, well, you said that we we're going into maintenance calories and I'm, I'm super worried about gaining weight. And I was like, that's, the exact opposite definition of maintenance calories. I said, maintenance (laughs) calories is when you maintain. And we had set her maintenance calories and she weighed the same from the last check-in to this most recent. And I was like, that means we hit the sweet spot on your maintenance, right? So if it was surplus, you'd be gaining. (laughs) So, um, and then deficit, obviously losing. Did you want to talk about your most recent, we've been kind of playing around with your maintenance and your deficit um, yes. Before we move on yeah. to question number two. No, that's great. Um, I'd love to share. So in the past, we've done a type of Matador study where I've done two weeks of a deficit and two weeks at maintenance. Um, and that was the year that COVID um, just kind of like took over the world. So with show dates moving, um, uh, it kind of interrupted that process that we were doing so I'm retrying that again this year because I really want to take the whole year off um, just to put on some more muscle tissue to recomp and lose some body fat and it's giving me the opportunity to do that because I'm going for a short duration in a deficit and then knowing that I have two weeks coming up where I'll be eating at maintenance which after you're in a deficit maintenance feels like a ton of food so um, we've been undulating my calories two weeks at a time, and so far it's been really good. Um, and I am pretty much maintaining. I lost a little bit during my maintenance calorie weeks, but I definitely go into my deficit weeks feeling refreshed and ready to push hard. So, yeah. and um, I, I yeah. think uh, just to so it kind of contradicts what I was just saying. But so when Chris got put into her maintenance. Uh, one thing that she noticed and that I noticed from her check-ins is that her step goal and number average went way up. And so (laughs) we deduced that the extra calories were actually giving her more energy. So she was actually producing a deficit, not through the food part, but through her neat rising. So that's why you have to have (laughs) all the little pieces of the puzzle together because Mm -hmm. it's all got to make sense. So um, and then when you are in your deficit, now that you've just started, I'm setting at like a 15%. So it's not like a severe one. Uh, yes. Whereas like, you know, for the bikini challenge, we really wanted to push these people for that month. So, you know, we did more aggressive 
uh, like, you know, 30% or something closer to that 35 range, uh, depending on the individual where they were starting. But, um, but yeah, so we kind of went on a tangent on number one. Uh, <laughs> we'll move on to number two. So the first 10 are like pretty basic. Uh, okay. So the one question is, do you need to train to failure to stimulate hypertrophy? And I'll just go ahead and answer this one. And the answer is no. And the reason for that is because you, during hypertrophy training, you want to put time under tension. You want to put blood in mm -hmm. the muscle. You're not necessarily going to failure because you're leaving one. From my, from my perspective, I think the best sweet spot is two to three reps uh, in reserve. So mm -hmm. you'd you're almost about to like give up. You're picking the right weight when you have, you know, probably two more reps that you could have done. Whereas with failure, do you want to kind of describe what, what type of training would want to do that? Like, uh, like, like your boyfriend? <laughs> my boyfriend. <laughs> oh, like powerlifting training? Yeah. When you're reading, like, reaching your max exertion, um, usually shorter rep counts and, um, obliterating your physique no i'm just kidding <laughs> um yeah so like mass exertion ma max exertion and shorter rep counts is almost a failure so a lot of powerlifting or compound movements right yeah okay so question number three is it possible to build muscle and lose fat at the same time do you want to answer that one yes and i'm doing it yeah i was gonna just say <laughs> so tell us how that's happened because you have can you yeah, kind of tell us how so, you started with this whole thing in terms of like your inches and your weight and just kind of how that whole thing's gone? Oh my gosh. Uh, I don't remember what my inches. Okay. So I know my, I just know they're trending downward, right, but right. I don't remember the exact numbers. No, that's um, fine. I just wanted you to okay. kind of let them know like, so you're building muscle and, mm -hmm. but you're also pulling body fat off at the same time throughout this yes. process and yeah. what's our number one way that we talked about that I really am focused on not necessarily the scale weight for your data the inches mm -hmm. yeah oh yes yeah. okay I'm just I'm keeping my job yeah um <laughs> so, so yeah so this the scale hasn't um gone down like I lose like maybe a half a pound in my deficit um, nothing like super crazy. I'm not seeing huge drops in the scale, but my inches have changed every week. So, mm -hmm. um, I think definitely you being very strategic with my macros and the, the protein amount that you have me eating is playing a big role in helping me add some muscle tissue and eliminate some body fat. Yeah. And we measured her body fat percentage from the beginning and that's how I kind of calculated her amount of protein that we would need to times by her body weight, what type mm -hmm. of factor, you know? So depending on how much fat or how much her, how much, ugh, can't talk, how much <laughs> fat the person needs to lose while they're building muscle, uh, that will kind of determine how much protein you're giving them. So if they're starting in yes. at a really lean amount of body fat, then they're going to have a much higher multiplying factor on the protein. So, We've kind of figured that out, and then about a quarter of an inch at least has been kind of the average. You're losing inches yes. in almost every spot. So, and just for the listeners, so you know when 
your building muscle, muscle is super dense, doesn't take up a lot of space. Fat is a very voluminous part of, you know, if you look at a pound of fat, it's huge compared to the size mm-hmm. of a pound of muscle. So that's why we are gauging Chris's progress primarily on the inches because that means her body fat is shrinking and, you know, she's swapping out muscle for fat. So mm-hmm. the scale is not moving as rapidly as it would, you know, if she weren't trying to recomp right now. Exactly. Well said. Thank you. Okay. Number four, who would have the hardest time achieving body comp- recomposition? Oh, this just segues perfectly. We were just talking about this. <laughs> so A, somebody using anabolic steroids. Uh, B, someone who is overweight or obese. C, a lean advanced trainee. Or D, a new trainee. And I kind of gave this one away already. Uh, <laughs> definitely C, uh, advanced lean trainee. Yep. Yeah, because really for somebody that's already lean, you're going to have to essentially really try to load them with calories and really eat to grow. And it's difficult when you know there's a recomping there because you're gonna have to put that person in surplus calories so it's gonna be hard to lose body fat and gain muscle mm-hmm. at the same time if that makes sense yes so right. there's a an edge for the newbies yes definitely and even uh, obese or um and definitely somebody on steroids would not have a hard time <laughs> correct okay so which of the following supplements has the most scientific support for muscle and strength gain? If you are an avid podcast listener, you better know the answer to this. Is it A, BCAAs, B, creatine monohydrate, C, creatine HCL, D, beta alanine? B, creatine monohydrate. I have confidence ding, in that ding, answer. Ding, ding, Correct. Yes. <laughs> So if that would have said EAAs instead of BCAAs, I would have been like, mm, there's a little bit of a, you know, maybe there's some debate there. But remember mm-hmm. that BCAAs are not complete. They are, what, three out of the nine essential amino acids. Yes. Whereas as long as you're getting adequate protein, so you have a protein bolus before, you know, unless you're talking EAAs, which do have all nine essential amino acids for building muscle. There's really not a debate on the BCAAs. Uh, if you paid attention to the creatine monohydrate uh, podcast that we did, you'll know that the HCL is, um, well, it's definitely not highly researched, but it's also mm-hmm. a little bit hard on the digestive tract. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, you are the winner there. All right, question number six. <laughs> so what is the most practical, sorry, I'm like botching this question here. What is the most practically efficient rep range for building muscle? A, 1 to 6 reps, B, 6 to 15, C, 15 to 20, or D, 20 to 30? Uh, B, 6 to 15. Yes, and why is that for the sake of our listeners? Um, I just know that as to be the most beneficial hypertrophy range. Mm -hmm. I think too high of a rep count, especially if you're – using um like a moderate or significant load can be hard on your system to recover because you're like really taxing the muscles and sometimes like that can delay um your next workout because you're recovering now if you're using like 
moderate or if you're using lighter weight that's that doesn't play the same type of role um and like we talked about earlier i think like the one to three sometimes five six rep ranges are usually a lot of like um big compound powerlifting movements so they are um they're working multiple muscles um, and not isolating one at a time yeah they're good for explosion and strength and then uh 20 to 30 is good for endurance but if you're actually wanting to build muscle for a hypertrophy goal like you said that rep range 6 to 15 is the optimal and so question number nine is which of the following factors contributes to the most muscle growth and that's a mechanical tension b metabolic stress c muscle damage or d muscle confusion um mechanical tension a correct yes absolutely. oh my gosh yes <laughs> yes uh again hypertrophy goal you want that time under tension and mm-hmm. weight training is the best way to do that all right so you probably know that we are big believers in the progressive overload so that's probably mm-hmm. why you would have thrown out the muscle confusion on that yeah. last question on this question which of the following would not count as a progressive overload and the options are increasing the weight you lift for the same reps increasing the reps that you do at the same weight increasing exercise variation or doing an extra set with the same reps and load i kind of gave that answer uh, ex- away. <laughs> yes ex- uh, variation exercise variation correct yeah you really need to just stick with basic movements and perfect those movements over time and just make the variables like how much weight you're lifting, how many reps you Mm -hmm. can do at that weight, or how many sets can you do at that weight. So you can see that progression over time. And that's the way that you're going to see progression in your lifts. All right. So muscle soreness, go ahead and fill in the blank, can be useful uh, proxy. Sorry, can be a useful proxy. Um, You hit the target muscle is B, very important for muscle growth. Shouldn't happen when training with good form or D, all of the above. Um, I don't think I I really said A very well because it's a useful proxy to let you know that you hit the target muscle. So like, for example, if you did a really hard glute workout and you're sore in your quads, probably didn't do Mm. such a great job of hitting your glutes (laughs) the day before. So it's kind of like a clue to, okay, sure. I'm sore in my biceps because I just did bicep curls yesterday. Yeah. I always like, um, I try and take inventory of like how my body feels the next day after working an exercise group. Like if I'm trying to hit my shoulders, what do my biceps and triceps feel like? Like where, where am I noticing some soreness? And it, doesn't necessarily need to be like debilitating soreness like you can't move my arms or I can't walk Uh, but just where you're feeling um, that that muscle group has been worked and that kind of helps me next time I go into the gym know like okay if I'm too sore in my biceps then I need to be like stretching and rolling them or changing grip position or isolating differently um, just to like hone in on getting those muscles because you know you want to be most efficient when you're training. 
Yeah. And I mean, you can run a marathon and you're going to be sore. Right. Right. But that's not telling you that you like had muscle growth <laughs> in your legs. Correct. Um, so the soreness isn't really a good indicator that you're growing muscle. And then obviously um, when somebody says that it shouldn't happen, if you're training with good form, that's completely incorrect. You muscle soreness is a very natural part of the process. Yes. So it's um, okay. Let's go into so glute development. When you are a an intermediate or early stage level lifter that wants to build uh, with an emphasis in glute development, and assuming that they do multiple exercises for multiple sets of their glutes each workout, how many days per week should you be training glutes to maximize without seriously risking any kind of recovery issues? And the options are one time per week, two to three, five to seven, or no, just do some cardio. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> That's a hard um, no on that D. Oh by my the way. gosh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, just so do some cardio two to three. for your butt. <laughs> Yeah, that's awful. Okay. Yeah, two two to three, I think, is sufficient. Correcto. Very good. Okay, so <laughs> let's say okay, I already asked this one or I I have been giving away some of my answers throughout, but let's <laughs> see how well you were paying attention. So uh reps and reserve. What's the most likely yeah. reps and reserve to optimize hypertrophy? Do you want me to give you the multiple choices or do you remember from the earlier? Question? I think that it's going to be like two to three. Yep. Yep. That would be correct. Okay. okay. Perfect. So one of these questions, it was like 12 to 15. Like, are you joking? If you have 12 to 15 reps in reserve, you are not pushing yourself hard enough. <laughs> you are picking the up world. the Barbie weights. <laughs> you need to pick up some real weights. All right. So if you have been doing weight training for almost four years and you really want to grow a particular part, so let's say for Chris, like you're wanting to build your shoulders, how many yeah. sets per week should you give yourself to have the best muscular gains without risking serious recovery issues? So A, four sets per week, B, 14 sets per week. C, 24 sets, or D, 34 sets? Oh, boy. Um, I would probably say 24. Okay. That's uh, – this uh, particular question is saying 14. So, lucky number 14. Well. <laughs> but – Darn it. I got one wrong. It's okay. These I are, just want they more. Get, they get harder as they go along, just so you know. So, don't feel bad. Okay. Okay. Okay, so it w and in your defense too, um, as far as like the research behind this, it is specific to that person. So you know, twelve to sixteen sets could be a good range. Uh, you just have to consider the individual and that their needs do vary. So maybe in your case, you know, for your shoulders, you need closer to the higher end. Um, okay. So now we're going to talk about protein intake for an average lifter that would be in a uh, surplus with their primary goal to gain muscle. So mm -hmm. the grams per pound of body weight, A, 0.35 to 0.55, B, 0.7 to 1 gram, C, 
1.3 to 1.5 or D 1.5 to 1.8. And they're trying to achieve what? So it's just for like an average person where their primary goal is to build muscle. So what's like the minimum is kind of what the question is. Oh, 0.8. Yeah, 0.8. So one gram is correct. Yeah. Ding, ding. You got the answer right. Yeah. So if you, (laughs) exactly. And so if you're more uh, advanced lifter and you're trying to really push the gains, then you're going to want to be in those higher uh, ranges, especially if you're more ectomorphic, I would recommend like 1.6 and then closer to like a 1.2 or a 1.3. If you're more, um, you still have some body fat to lose, but you want to like you're in an off season something like that but the minimum is one one gram per pound all right let's go to all right this one we don't really work the calves i was gonna ask it but do you want me to go for it what what type of muscle fibers are in the calves um the options are primarily type one the slow twitch uh b uh type two the fast twitch and that would be 55 to 75 percent of both of those or is it more like 70 to 96 percent slow twitch or 70 to 96 percent fast twitch okay so i don't even know about the percentages but i would think that they're more slow twitch for like uh like walking like move regular movement yeah so if you've ever there's two muscle groups that you can literally just kind of like throttle every day and it's not going to make a difference. And one is the abdomen. Uh, so you could do core exercises every day. They're very resilient. They have a lot of slow twitch fibers in them. And then same with the calves. Like you could do calves every day. It's not like the other muscle groups where it's better to kind of like take rest. So because so you should more super. Okay, so you should superset your abs and your calves <laughs> to get an ab and calf day. <laughs> I, I don't think bikini competitors need to worry so much about the calves, but it is very highly endurance muscle, like you said, for yeah. reasons like we need to be able to walk and things like that um, in for long periods of time. All right, the last one that I've got is this one's which of the following activities has been shown to acutely reduce muscle protein synthesis? This is very interesting. So A, cold water immersion, B, a high sugar meal, C, foam rolling, or D, stretching between sets? This one is, I think, the cold water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is very interesting because some people really believe in cryotherapy or mm-hmm. um, ice baths which just is brutal um so the yes. fact that there's just research why. that accurately <laughs> states that it it can actually reduce muscle protein synthesis i you didn't have to sell me on that one hard to not do it anyways <laughs> but <laughs> i'm glad that there's something that backs that up so definitely foam rolling is one that you need to do to get better muscle mm-hmm. growth uh, the more mobile you are in your range of motion and the better 
you are uh, like recovering, rolling. I have so many tools that I use at night. I have a whole plethora of just like foam roller, yoga wheel. I've got my lacrosse ball for my piriformis and um, I've got my massage gun. So definitely any of those activities are going to help you bounce back, have better sessions the next day and facilitate good recovery and muscle growth. Um, also, I've heard that stretching between sets is good. Every once in a while I do that. I need to probably be better at that. Yeah, I do. I do stretch sometimes. It depends on the exercise, um, especially if I feel like it's a muscle group that gets incorporated into that exercise and I don't want it. Like adductors, for example, if, if I feel like those sometimes get fired up and I'm trying to really target glutes and hip thrust, sometimes just stretching them in between my hip thrust sets really helps a lot. Um, and I would say like recovery items have made the biggest difference in my training sessions and seeing like muscle growth. So yeah, I know that that's something that people put on the back burner because we focus on all the fun things like training and the meal plans or nutrition. But I, I do think that that is a um, essential, especially when you're wanting to reach a higher level. Yeah, and I just put on my story on Instagram today. I always release my traps with the Smith Machine bar. Oh, and yeah. That makes such a huge difference in being able yes. to, before uh, I do shoulders or back, just releasing my traps really makes a big difference in engaging my delts and my lats and not having my man traps take over. <laughs> they, they like to take over. They're very. <laughs> They're very um, yes. pronounced. Yes. That exercise does work really well. I've um, done that at the gym and I had a trainer come over and ask me if I was okay. <laughs> because <laughs> They were like, you painful. are not using this correctly. <laughs> They're like, uh, do you want me to show you how to use that? I'm like, no. <laughs> Trust me, I'm using it correctly. Um, or like sometimes I'll just use a, I'll sit on the bench. Like if someone's using a Smith machine. I'll sit on the bench press and uh -huh. I'll like put the bar on, I'll sit on it sideways and put the bar on one track uh -huh. and I'll just like hook my fingers to pull it down just a little bit. And like that works as well too. I like the Smith machine better, but I'll, I'll use the bench press with the barbell just in case it's not available. So that's a good tip. I like that you shared that one. I'm also a total weirdo and I use my fireplace mantle. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm at home because my like literally I mean no bikini girl wants traps I mean there's no advantage to that at all and they're probably my most developed muscle um so I have to calm them down a lot and so sometimes I'll just yeah. stand underneath the mantle and like put my trap on there and work it out and <laughs> I'm like don't you. worry about me guys like <laughs> Use the mantle oh, for weird I things. That. I look like a bear, like scratching against a tree. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, hey, you do you. <laughs> you do you, boo. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, with that, uh, I think we are coming to the end of this episode. We are definitely out of questions. So if there are any things that you have uh, questions about, we would actually, I don't think we've done an actual Q&A in a long time. So those are always fun. Yeah. Please send us your questions. If you have some ideas, just DM us on Instagram. Our Instagram is at Prep Life Podcast. You can also 
reach us at glam girl bikini those are both options uh we would love it if you tagged us on your story and anytime you get the you know the feels we would love a rating and review um we really try hard i know there's a lot of podcasts that i love and i just it makes me cringe a little bit inside when they put like commercials on there i just i really want to keep this ad free as long as possible Mm -hmm. so um the way that we grow the podcast is by getting ratings and reviews so if you appreciate the fact that this non-funded podcast does not have ads um you know (laughs) do that as the thank you we would really appreciate it that's your payment for the day um okay so if you would like to join the team or apply for the retreat and sign up for that you can go to glamgirlbikini.com you can either hit the get started button or join the retreat uh, by clicking the button there and i will put both of those in the show notes with that this is your founder and ceo of glam girl bikini amy anger signing off with my fabulous co-host and this is chris nicole glam girl bikini coach and ifbb bikini pro thanks for listening guys